This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. I'm going to step over here. My mic on there? There we go. This week, what a what a week. Um, the way my Friday went, probably like a lot of yours, uh, maybe some ways different. What, what I do on Fridays is to go down to, to Kensington, down to St. Francis Inn. So down there working at St. Francis Inn, I'm, I'm helping to wash pots and pans, and, and one of the cooks says, hey, Chuck, could you, could you squash these metal cans that they had had tomatoes in and squash them, and, then, and you, then you put them in this milk container. So I did that, and then he said, then you take it outside, and you see Brother Xavier there, and, and you know what, what he does is he, he takes these and he sells them. And then he, with that money, he buys tokens for homeless people down in Kensington to be able to, to travel throughout Philadelphia, go home. And, you know, coming back from that and just like a breath, a breath in awe of someone, Brother Xavier, who just had his 50th anniversary as a Franciscan, somebody who's given their life to that kind of very quiet, very real service. And then coming back and starting to hear what was happening on Friday night. And how do you put those worlds together? How do we hold that? What do we do? And of course, we had a, a sermon plan, but then I looked at it, and I'm like, this just does not fit. Uh, we have to rethink this. We have to go back to ancient future forms of Christianity and, and really try to think, what do we do when all we can think about is fear? When fear seems all around and seems to overwhelm us. And what we can do is we can go back and really try as best we can to do what Christ did, which was to organize people in something called the communion, the last supper, around a a simple table, around this table. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, and then we're going to be doing communion at the end of the service as a way to just center into humanity in a time that feels so full of great fear. The way we're going to start today's service is we're going to have a few moments of just quiet reflection. Then Rebecca's going to come out, offer us a gift of song, and then we're going to get going to the service. So nice to have you here at New Church Life. When you look at the context over the past few weeks with a a world that seems to wrestle more and more with terrorism and the fear that it engenders. You know, we can all think of Paris and we can think of the jet that went down over the Sinai. We can think of the almost terrorism that happened in Belgium as, as well as other acts, you know, the one stopped by the U.S. servicemen on the train. And that clearly brings up the question, well, what, what do we end up doing with our fear? How do we end up holding it? And how can we recent our lives as a Christian congregation in a way that centers us with the best of all of humanity? Christian, Muslim, Jewish, secular, the whole thing. Well, what I want to talk about is one way we can look at this is again to go back to a story, and it's a story about this table 
And can we all say this together? One, two, three, this. We're talking about this table. And be very specific about that. We're going to talk about what happened around this table thousands of years ago. A story that is so incredibly poignant, but we oftentimes lose the, the meaning of it because what we remember is we remember it being, a, being a young kid in Catholic school in stale wafers. And, and maybe there's something much richer here that, that we lose, that, that, we can, that we can maybe talk about today about regaining in terms of this ancient discipline, ancient Christian discipline. Of Holy Supper, something that was considered so significant that the first Christians actually practiced it daily. The story that I want to tell you is an Easter story. And kids, we all know what Easter is, right? Sunday and all that. I'm going back a few days to Good Friday, the, the day when Christ lost his life. This is before the resurrection. And he knew that that time was coming. And that's the context of this story. And I, and I imagine a lot of the fear that we share in this room today in some small way reflects all the fear that those same disciples who would have been listening to him that night, the night before he passes away, the same fear they would have been feeling as well. Unsure of the future. Staring into the face of incredible violence and uncertainty. And what is it that Christ offers them at that moment? And that's where we pick up this story. This is from Luke 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And again, for the kids there, tables were shorter back then. They didn't have chairs, so you would have sort of just squatted around the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And those two words there, eagerly desired, uh, you know, it's, it's something that Christ wanted to do. He said, look, this is something so important to me. In the face of all this, you don't see him saying that again with a frown or with fear. Seeing him saying that with the wise wisdom and slight smile, it was so much part of his life. Of eagerly desired, to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom. And taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you or share it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to him saying, this is my body given for you. This, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Some beautiful passages there as it, as it talks about this, this ancient tradition of the Passover, which is connected back to the past and this exodus that had taken place thousand years before we've been talking about Christ using these words. And there's a whole sermon in there. But even that Passover meal had come at a time of fear, had come at a time of uncertainty, had come at a time of wondering, at a time of staring right into the face of violence. And then fast forward 2,000 years, and here's Christ in this, pre in this moment saying, look, you know what, this do in remembrance of me, this do in remembrance of me, this do in remembrance of me. 
See that do this. It's, it's him saying this is how to remember. And he offers this beautiful supper. I mean, just, just sit for a minute with that. Because he's talking about this. He's talking about this, not about that. And you think about the culture. Look at these pictures. You think about the culture that Christ was talking about. This, a symbolic meal shared around the table that God yearns to join. And even the yearning there, I think at times like this, God yearns to join that table with a broken heart. Knowing the suffering of humanity. Knowing the suffering that we all carry. And this is this deep, heart-sick yearning to join in our endeavors. Emmanuel, God with us. So that's the this. But the this is not the that. You think back to this time, this was the time when the Roman Empire controlled and the Romans were largely responsible for Christ's death. And what he's saying, don't remember me by making a statue or a beautiful temple or a triumphal arch or putting my picture on a piece of money, which is what the emperors did at that time, was something far different. Not an altar, not a battlefield, but a this, a this around a table. Now at New Church Live, I could tell we already have a lot of first time people here. We do a lot of interacting. We do a lot where I wanna hear what you think. So this is an opportunity. I'm gonna be putting a question up here. This is gonna give you an opportunity to text in an answer to me or to just share an answer with somebody who's sitting around you. And the answer is, goes to this question. Why do you think Christ chose a symbolic meal around a table as the way he preferred to be remembered? He could have chosen any number of things, but, but this is what he chose. Why do you think he chose that? I'm gonna go back as we do this middle song and, and take a look at some of those answers. Again, I'm just glancing at it. Beautiful. Reminded, I was talking to one person in the audience and he said community. And isn't that interesting? Communion, community. We go together. Dorothy Day said, we've all known the long loneliness. And we know community is the answer. So what I want to do is when we come back is I want to really talk about this. I really want to talk about what is the power here and, and how do we do what we can? And again, coming back to that question, what is it that we do with our fear? How can we rediscover the bread of life? The bread of life. In a new way, not Pollyannish, but, but a way that actually brings us together and engages us out there into the world. A world that actually so badly needs us to do that as best we can. And as the band comes out, think about that. Imagine the power of this. Put yourself again in the place of those disciples. Push, put yourself in the miracle. I mean, to me, it's such a miracle that this is what Christ chose. All the things he could have chosen. He says, you want to remember me? You want to honor me in times of fear? You want to follow my footsteps as best you can in times like this? Remember Holy Supper. Remember communion. Do this in remembrance of me.
as usual, you folks have beautiful answers here. Listen to some of these. And, they, you know, again, like it tells us why we gather, why that table matters. Connection, facing each other around the table. You see God, you see God in their faces. The symbolism, the correspondence, the living thread. What we eat becomes a part of us. We are what we eat. Gathering at Holy Supper is unbreakable, not a statue. Symbolic of nurturing the physical body as well as the spiritual. He didn't need coins or statues to be remembered because he knew who he was. By eating his flesh, quote-unquote, and drinking his blood, quote-unquote, he is always part of us. Because fellowship was so important, the symbolism of his love for his disciples. And isn't that a beautiful way to see it? Not an honoring of him, but a sharing of love. It's something we can do every day, three times a day. Remembering to nourish our bodies and our minds. I think he chose that because it could be relived and experienced over and over again. Guess what we're going to do at the end of the service? He wanted us to come together in love just as we would at a meal. There's a sense of peace in that. You must nourish your body and your soul. It's a time and place where we all are equal. I believe it symbolizes bringing people together. Love equals to feed better than to murder. So the apostles could remember him and remember each other. And there's a whole bunch more answers. You folks always have such wonderful answers here. And that's why we do it. And it is amazing to see the miracle that happens around tables, Thanksgiving tables and other tables. And to add a little lightness to a rather serious day, I want to talk about this table. I want you all to shout out at the count of three, what contest were we doing? Shout it like you won. One, two, three. Bingo. Bingo. We're doing bingo. Bingo. And here was a table, and I want to tell you about this table. And again, like I think so much, these are the tables we're asked to gather around, not necessarily with fondue, but, but, but tables that are circular in nature. Bringing in people that we know and people that we don't. And I want to talk about the two people, Deacon Ingrid, at the far end of that table. Didn't know each other before this. And what happened was Deke there on the right had mentioned to Ingrid this particular uh, designer bag that she loved, but she wasn't winning any bingo. Ingrid not, doesn't know her at all, but, but actually ends up winning bingo, goes up, picks up the purse and says, here you go. A wonderful little offering. Now God has an immense sense of humor. A few bingos later, guess who wins? Deke wins. Ingrid chose a power standard. I don't get it either, just so you know. But, but Deke went up and picked up that and gave it to her, this beautiful mutual offering that can happen, and it can happen around a table. And again, important for us to think of that with the Thanksgiving coming up, and, and how does this get reflected there as well? So we have those lighter moments of memory around, and then we also have this, a growing culture of fear. I think we're right in the midst of that, a growing culture of fear. I certainly feel it, and I imagine a lot of you do as well. And then the question becomes, well, what then are we actually supposed to do within that growing culture of fear? 
insecurity is a tricky one because uh, it's, it's hard to imagine this ending tomorrow. It's hard to imagine a time where we feel completely safe and secure. No matter how much we might want that, no matter how much people might sacrifice to attain that. But we can sort of find different ways of security, different ways of gathering, different ways of moving forward in our lives. As I was going through yesterday, you know, rewriting this service for today, I was trying to think, yeah, what, what exactly would I leave you with? What, what would, might be a thought, you know, that, that just a thought to get you started, not that this is the final answer. I mean, I hope this conversation continues. But maybe we have to start to learn to do this in a different way. Let me have you say the V word there. Embrace the theology of and see and see humanity. Embracing a culture of vulnerability, you know, this, this, we are vulnerable. Such, as it, such has it always been. Sometimes we're more aware of that than at others. But the reality is we live in a very vulnerable time. And we can sort of distract ourselves from that. For me, that's football right after church today. <laughs> You know, we can distract ourselves from that. Or we can be willing to just say, yes. That is this time. You notice when Christ is talking to his disciples around the table, he doesn't offer them a lot in the way of security. What he offers them is love and connection. Put together in this beautiful touch point. And then the second part of that, we can continue over and over again to understand vulnerability and to, to even embrace it and allow it to bring us more and more and more into our humanity. See, I don't see those two being disconnected. It's not your vulnerability over here, our humanity over here. Isn't it interesting, folks, that the more vulnerable we are, and you know this, you know this, the more vulnerable we are, the more aware we become of our shared humanity. Please let those words ring through. The more aware we are of our vulnerability, the more aware we become of our shared humanity. That's the place where I think we can choose to go. What are the other decisions, the other things that people decide? I'm, I'm not sure, but I feel like this is one that I can somehow, like this table, I can somehow get my arms around this, and I think that is what Christ is asking us to do. Embracing vulnerability, seeing humanity. And maybe that seeing humanity will be within family around a Thanksgiving table. Maybe it'll be at places like the St. Francis Inn. Maybe you wanna go to the Ronald McDonald House. Finding those things that are ours to do, the work that is ours to do and doing it. The best strategy, and maybe that's even a bad word to use, the best strategy I think we have are doing those kinds of things as best we can in community. It really is no small thing. Because I think if we don't embrace our vulnerability, you know, we sort of, 
we get, we get this sort of this desire, which I imagine many of you have, to just flee. You know, Utah, here we come. Let me build a bunker. And the reality is that's not what we're being asked to do. We're being asked to engage. To be part of an answer. To fully acknowledge a time of fear. And to move forward with and in that fear. But with a purposeful attempt to expand the circles of love and compassion as best we can as God gives us to see it. That's our work. We're going to now celebrate part of that. We're going to celebrate and acknowledge, you know, this table, what this can mean. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to step off the stage. I'm going to come down around here. I'm going to tell you how we're going to do communion. Then we're going to have some nice, soft background music, and you'll be invited up to take it. Now, in the new church, we have something called an open table. It means you don't have to be a member of the new church or baptized to take communion. So I'd invite all of you to feel called to do it. But let me come off the stage for a minute and explain how that's going to happen. Please join me for a final prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us to find those little bits that we can do, those pieces that we can do to reestablish humanity. Yes, Lord, in a time of great fear, great anxiety, of great wonder and great concern. Call forth from our hearts, Lord, the humanity that you've embedded in there from before we were born, Lord. Call it by name. Invite us to this table. This table, a place of communion. This table, a place of connection. This place, this place of love and compassion and courage and sacrifice. Allow us to live there, Lord. Live there not just for ourselves, but to live there as a wonderful, joyous memory of you. A way to remember your kingdom. Be with those, Lord. Be with those grieving. Be with those here today, Lord, facing loss. And be with us all. Allow us to do our little bit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.